This podcast was sponsored by Mutual Insurance Company of Arizona. Mike is the select provider of medical professional liability coverage for the Maricopa County Medical Society. For more information about MICA, call 602-956-5276 or visit www.mica-insurance.com. I am Dr. Karini Vinales, board member of the Maricopa County Medical Society and an associate program director for the Endocrinology Fellowship Program of the University of Arizona College of Medicine, Phoenix. Welcome to our Arizona Physician Podcast. It's kind of a, a new opportunity with a new chairman because we've been, always been working between Nancy Barto, Heather Carter, Kate Brophy McGee. Um, so it's going to be all of a sudden there's this new perspective in leadership and healthcare policy. So everyone in the healthcare community is going to be adjusting to the new chairwoman. Hi, and welcome to the Arizona Physician Podcast. My name is John McElligot, your host for today's episode. We're joined today by Tom Dorn. He's the president of Dorn Policy Group and has a diverse background in government and politics at the federal, state, county, municipal, district, and tribal levels. His firm represents numerous multinational corporations, trade associations, and government entities. Tom, thank you very much for being here. Thank you for having me, appreciate it. It's uh, really great, I think, to, uh, to build on the conversation that we had uh, this last year uh, before the pandemic broke up uh, in-person events, but we were able to squeeze in an event with you as the guest speaker talking about health policy in the Valley, speaking directly to physicians who were in uh, Maricopa County Medical Society. If we could reframe for some of the listeners talking about your connections through the Dorn Policy Group and your clients who were in the healthcare space uh, so that listeners know where you're coming from and the expertise. Uh, yeah, we, uh, our firm, we have worked with numerous uh, healthcare clients over the, the 20 years firm's existence. Um, we uh, have worked with John C. Lincoln back when it was John C. Lincoln before they uh, uh, became part of Honor. Uh, we currently work with American Medical Response, have been with them for 20 years down at the Capitol, uh, working on emergency medical service issues. Uh, in the se senior living space, uh, we deal with A Place for Mom, Arizona Bio Industry Association, um, Arizona Physical Therapy Association. We work with uh, Healthcare Outcourt you know, the Core Institute, uh, Orthopedic Research and Education. So they're, they're, them and various other clients over the years. So we uh, uh, have seen things change since the passage of the Affordable Care Act. Uh, back then, there was much more healthcare-specific legislation because the state was more involved in setting the policy. We've seen that dip uh, since ACA, but nevertheless, the healthcare committees down at the legislature do remain very busy and we do weigh in on numerous issues in legislation. I'm wondering if you could draw on this um, experience and what you looked at for the first half of this discussion, looking back at the 2020 legislative session in the state of Arizona, the outcomes of the elections, whether we lost or gained any champions who are in the healthcare space. And then uh, the second half of this discussion, we'll look forward to the 2021 legislative session. So. Looking back at, uh, at the skinny budget, at the skinny session that we had in 2020, my understanding was that the state went from discussing how to spend a surplus to how to stay above water amidst the COVID-19 pandemic and having to shorten that session. So what came out of that experience? What bills were passed? Uh, what things were put on the shelf? 
Well, there was, uh, as you know, Arizona was in a very good position going into COVID financially. And as Governor Ducey has, has often stated, he came into office with a billion dollar shortfall. And as of prior to COVID, we had a billion dollar surplus in the budget stabilization fund known as the rainy day fund. And we also had a $975 million surplus coming off uh, the fiscal year. So Arizona we had, it was in the black $2 billion considering our budget is, you know, over 10, you know, between 20, 10 and 12 billion, we were in a pretty good spot when you have 20% in the bank already. Then COVID hit. And uh, as you already referred to, John, the skinny budget, the legislature decided since they were in the middle of putting together the budget, usually we put the budget out by mid, mid-March. And uh, I think we shut down the legislature on St. Patrick's Day. If I recall, it was around then there was no ability to pass and negotiate to negotiate the budget while they had it ready to go uh, it, it would have lacked the time to actually have some serious uh, negotiation and so the what the legislature uh, did was they basically passed the budget from the previous fiscal year and they called it the skinny budget so it was everything that without the growth you know without all that money that they had in and we're able to spend, especially in an election year, many of the those in control, which would be the Republicans, would have wanted to spend uh, money on specific items that would be favorable with their constituencies, as well as you know transportation projects and, and things like that. So that was it. That was the passage of the skinny budget. And then uh, we still are working under that, but it has led to significant surpluses now because Fortunately, Arizona passed legislation the year prior. It had to do with called the Wayfair versus South Dakota decision uh, that to collect sales tax on collect the revenue for online purchases. So while if we did not do that the year prior, everyone would be sitting home buying goods online and we would not have collected any revenue. So by having this legislation in place, it allowed us to survive, and we're we're actually doing very well uh, right now financially as a state, considering what we've been through. That's a great perspective. And then we had the elections. We yes. had national elections. We had local elections. When you're looking at the state senate, the state house, what were the major outcomes, and how did the balance of power shift, if at all? It's very interesting because, and as when I spoke to your group back during the session, you know, everyone was getting ready to, to have a fir- the first Democratic House of Representatives since 19, the 1960s, the mid-1960s. And, uh, and the Democrats um, had every reason to feel that way. They, the campaign money that was coming in to support Democrats from out of state, as well as their excellent organization within the state, and they were just generating a lot of money. So, the House of Representatives, uh, re- controlled by the Republicans, 31 to 29, a very slim uh, majority. We were all talking about, was it going to be 35, 25, or 33, 27 Democrat? But at the end of the day, it was 31, 29, again, Republicans. So nothing changed. All that money, all that stress by the Republicans, all the excitement for the Democrats at the end of the day, we're, we're, we are where we're at prior to the election. 
And the thing is, um, what happened was uh, the Republicans picked up a safe Democratic seat down in Yuma, and then the uh, Democrats picked up some seats up here in Maricopa County. So it was really a, a wash, but uh, so 3129 in the House. Um, and the majority also has stayed the same as far as the leadership. And also in the Senate, that switched. It was from 1713, it's now 1614. Uh, the loss for the Republicans came with Senator Kate Brophy McGee, East Phoenix, Arcadia, Paradise Valley area. And she is a tremendous loss for the healthcare community. Uh, she has been a champion for healthcare issues ever since day one in the House and then her time over in the Senate. Uh, she lost to Democrat Christine Marsh, who was the Arizona Teacher of the Year. And so uh, that whole district has been changing anyway. It's gone from a, it was a safe Republican district for many years. And then now it, it's become definitely more blue with the influx in some areas, you know, Californians. And um, but so anyway, we hate to see her go. Another loss to the legislature with regard to health care is uh, Senator Heather Carter, representative, former Senator and now current representative Nancy Bartow decided she missed being in the Senate and but also her and uh, Heather Carter have some philosophical differences uh, over the years, even though they represent the same district of North Phoenix. Uh, she decided to run to the right of Heather Carter and she won. And so Nancy Bartow is now the Senate Health Committee Chair. And with uh, her leaving the House as the House Health Committee Chair, uh, it's Joanne Osborne uh, from Goodyear. Uh, it is her first, she's a jewelry store owner in Goodyear, a former city council member in Goodyear, a very good person, uh, but she's a pretty much an open slate with regard to healthcare policy. I mean, she has interest and in, in knowledge in that area, otherwise she would not be the health chair as selected by the leadership. Uh, but we look forward to working with her on many issues. It's kind of a, a new opportunity with a new chairman because we've been, always been working between Nancy Bartow, Heather Carter, Kate Brophy McGee. Um, so it's gonna be all of a sudden there's this new perspective in leadership and healthcare policy. So everyone in the healthcare community is gonna be adjusting to the new chairwoman. Tom, um, thank you very much. And folks, we'll take a short break. Um, after the break, we will come back and speak with Tom Dorn about the focus on the new session. What are some of the hot issues for debate, economic forecasts, and, and what are some of the uh, topics that physicians may be paying close attention to? We'll be right back. This podcast was sponsored by Mutual Insurance Company of Arizona the select provider of medical professional liability coverage for the Maricopa County Medical Society. As a physician-led mutual, MICA has been Arizona's choice for medical professional liability insurance for nearly 45 years. We provide value to members with superior claims handling and exceptional risk management programs. Call us today for a quote or visit our website to learn more about MICA's premium coverage options and outstanding service. 602-956-5276 or www.mica-insurance.com. Bureau of Medical Economics has been servicing the account collection needs of the medical community since 1951. 
with nearly 70 years of experience in this industry and proven results. We proudly consider our clients, your practice, an invaluable business partner. There is no obligation and no upfront cost. Please give us a call at 602-252-3469 for more information. Welcome back to the Arizona Physician Podcast. And our guest today is Mr. Tom Dorn. Tom, we spoke earlier about what came out of the 2020 legislative session, the skinny budget, the outcomes of the election, and some of the healthcare champions that um, lost election, and some other people who may be more of a clean slate. Let's shift focus now to the 2021 session. What do you see as hot issues for debate, whether it's in healthcare or the overall budget or, or some other items? Thank you, John. Um, number one is COVID. It's, you know, the elephant in the living room. And uh, there's just extreme concern by the legislature on their own operations. Will uh, conservative members that do not uh, necessarily want to wear a mask, will they wear a mask and respect the other members and the staff? Uh, so that is almost that. Unfortunately, that's the number one issue that we're dealing with right now at the legislature is how they're going to operate. So hopefully they will have that all reserved, not reserved, but uh, resolved by the leadership teams on both the Democratic and Republican side and making sure that it's safe for everyone. How we operate at the Capitol is going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, they've instead of all of us packing into hearing rooms in the lobby and the gallery, they're considering allowing people to, they would be outside and then be called in to testify on a bill when that bill is up. Uh, so, and will the legislators be sitting in hearing rooms or will they be in larger rooms? Uh, will plexiglass be put in uh, between seats uh, as it's been done on the floor, at least of the House? I'm sure it's gonna be done in the Senate also. So without getting into more details to that end, COVID, you know, number one, how do we deal with it at the state legislature while keeping democracy open for business and where people are actually, uh, the public is able to be, be present and participate. I mean, these are constitutional issues that we're getting in. Let's assume they, they run a bill through and it's signed by the governor, yet the public was excluded uh, from commenting and testifying. And I mean, will the, things like that be go to up in the court system and then all of a sudden we're being told that's that legislation is invalid because it violated someone's constitutional right to public input so many many issues about the process are going to be dominating the session with regard to other issues uh it always starts with money as i already indicated we have moved from you know a two billion dollar surplus to uh, we're several hundred million dollars in the black, which is good. And that's the one thing, whether you're conservative or liberal, you are grateful as a citizen of Arizona that we have been very conservative in our budgeting to ensure that we are not in the hole that some states are. And, and you're, you hear about this on the bailout, you know, the Republicans in DC call it bailouts, while the Democrats in DC will call it um, you know, relief for local governments, but it's because of the conservative budgeting uh, that Arizona's done. We're not asking for that type of uh, COVID relief from Washington. So that's something to feel good about as an Arizona citizen. Nevertheless, our demands 
whilst we call it, some people call it a surplus, others call it unspent needed expenditures, such as in K-12 education and, and uh, criminal justice reform and economic relief for small businesses, unemployment insurance that has not, you know, Arizona is still 49th with regard to our distribution of unemployment insurance. We keep it very low. And part of that is that we don't want to be a magnet for people to be on on, on welfare. We want Arizona to thrive economically. And if people are looking for that, they wouldn't be come here. Uh, but so those are some of the major issues in, in economic. And what will the legislature do with regard to some of the ballot measures that have passed, knowing that they're voter protected? You know, the Proposition 105 from years ago, the Voter Protection Act does not allow the legislature to amend uh, the recreational marijuana measure. But it's interesting. I think some people are surprised on that issue, how the and it's allowed for in the ballot measure but local communities are putting in restrictions and limitations. Will people find that offensive and go back and say, wait, legislature, even though you can't amend it at the state level, cities and other, other government jurisdictions shouldn't be able to amend things that were passed. So I don't know if that's gonna emerge as an issue, uh, recreational marijuana. Also the uh, Proposition 208 that put the surcharge, uh, sales tax surcharge on small businesses you know, is the legislature going to do anything to try to help that class of taxpayer so they're not hit as, as hard? Uh, that does move our, our corporate income tax rate basically for small businesses from, I've heard numbers around the late, you know, 37th up to as high as nine, instead of being one of the lowest in the country, is now up there with other states that uh, have high taxation. And that I know the business community is extremely concerned of the impact of that. Uh, that combined with the minimum wage increase from a few years ago, which has significantly impacted, uh, I know, for example, in the EMS area, uh, entry level people wanting to get into ambulance work and, and, and possibly, I'm sure you may see that in hospitals also is like people are not aspiring to, to move up because they're making a good living at McDonald's at $15 an hour. And uh, so it's really hurt the pipeline for entry-level healthcare workers. So I think that is something that is uh, Senate, soon to be Senator Health Chairman Nancy Bartow brought that up at a meeting the other day as far as our healthcare workers. And she mentioned that as far as an impediment to uh, the pipeline of entry-level folks. With regard to some other major issues we expect in 2021, criminal justice reform continues to be an issue improvements in that space to reduce the cost of corrections. Uh, definitely going to see some election reform bills. Those that are upset with the outcomes of the 2020 election are livid. Um, they definitely want to see some changes done on the whole election uh, space. But my personal opinion, Arizona has done a very good job in making our elections watertight. It's just been my experience watching secretaries of state all the way from, you know, Rose Mofford to Jane Hall to Jan Brewer to Katie Hobbs. Uh, they've done done a good job. And our 15 county recorders do good work. And uh, so when Governor Ducey at the end of the day, under the pressure of the governor of the president to not sign, he was correct in saying we have a good election system in Arizona. And I believe that we um, we stand by our, we followed the law. And here we are. 
So many people disagree with that, but my personal perspective, 30 years down the state capitol, seeing the improvements made in that area, I think we as Arizonans can trust our election system. That's great to hear. And um, you went through a, a long list of, act, well, potential topics to discuss and it'd be really interesting to see if they can talk, how many they can have time for in mm-hmm. a, uh, what may be another shortened season, which would be unfortunate, but this really good point to frame this that Arizona last year was very strong economically. If Prop 208 has dampened or would dampen the economic forecast, it's still better than many other states. And there's a lot of interest of people coming to Arizona from California, from Seattle, from Illinois, from places where the economy is worse off and cost of living is better and barrier to entry to start a company here is is more fortunate for them. So I wanted to build on that what would you say are the, the latest forecasts for the economy of Maricopa County for Arizona as a whole? Do you think that um, economists at the universities and, and independent organizations or the, um, the experts that the state turns to are saying that economic forecast for 2021 is still going to be strong or that we may be headed into a, a national recession, you know, somewhere in between? The one thing that Arizona has going for it, I think, and you already answered the question on the front end, uh, is growth. It's our growth that will continue to sustain us. And it, our growth will carry us through the, the 3.5% you know, tax on, on uh, high income earners. You know, so it's our, our growth is still going to bring people here. It's still going to generate property tax, income tax, sales tax that will fund our government processes and will in most likely instill confidence in the healthcare community or the more the infrastructure for healthcare, whether it's be hospitals or satellite clinics. Maricopa County, as we know, they're, they're building the new you know, Valleywise Hospital and they're building their 10 to 12 uh, satellite facilities around Maricopa County. I know that, for example, the Core Institute that I work with, they have their surgery center and they're building, they're investing, and we see other uh, banner and in, in dignity and honor health, uh, the honor health facility that's being built right across the road from the Taiwanese computer chip manufacturer that is going to be as large as eventually as Intel's operation in Chandler. I'm sure Honor Health is confident about their facility there because they know what's coming. Anything that's going to be built out on the far west valley, past Verado, on the east side of, on the west side of the White Tanks, because Interstate 11 is going to come through there, and major landowners, including Bill Gates of uh, Microsoft, own land out there. You know, betting on the come that growth is going to happen, and you see that also in in Pinal County uh, with Nicola and Lucid Motors and Apple and out in in Mesa, so. They're coming to Arizona. And so while we we do have fears that the economy nationally may contract, but I, I feel much better be living in Arizona economically and than in New Jersey or, or some other state where people are fleeing. So they at least can be outdoors and have some fresh air and know that uh, it's a safe, healthy place to be for themselves as well as well as their children. And that's why we see the the exodus to the Sun Belt. And so because of that, I think our economy will be in good shape. And I think healthcare infrastructure development community 
will probably proceed. If I was a doctor, I wouldn't be afraid to expand my practice here in Maricopa County, Pima County, or anywhere in the state of Arizona. I think we're going to be in, in good shape. And it's all because of the growth. Yeah, great perspective, Tom. And let's close this conversation with one final question about how physicians can remain connected to their elected officials. They can write a letter. I know that they could call them uh, if there's someone at the office to pick up or to leave a message. But there's also an online system um, that every Arizona resident can submit comments if there's a bill that's up for consideration. So what would you say are some of the best ways that physicians, given their busy schedules, can connect with their elected officials um, at the county level or at the state level? Uh, they can certainly go through organizations like Maricopa County Medical Society and others. But um, what do you see as being the most effective given the last nine months and if there are going to be continued restrictions for COVID? I think going through an organization like yours, John, because you have credibility, your organization has credibility. And when doctors, nurses, hospital staff, everybody works through an organization such as yours, it shows the power of your group. And also it gives credibility to that individual. Uh, many times legislators, they do like to hear from, they call them quote, real people, uh, you know, real constituents that are actually sending them something. But if they reference that they're part of your organization, that is what is significant and helpful and let them say their own piece. But a legislator or a county supervisor, when they see that you are referenced, it will give them credibility as an individual. And then you also, as a group, when you, on behalf of all of them, are sending something to the county supervisors or any uh, specific boards or a city council or the, um, or the state legislature congressional delegation, that is where the real push happens because oftentimes the elected officials, while they are very busy and they would love to read the 850 emails from individuals, they sometimes will ask their staff, tell me the big groups that are supportive of this. And they'll rattle off the 10 to 12, 15, 20 group major players in the political space. And they that Im immediately connects to the brain <laughs> of the elected official and said, okay, that's good, that's bad. Um, so the individual approach is great if it references an organization like yours. And in addition to that, working with an organization like yours is what really makes the impact at the county and the state. Tom Dorn, president of the Dorn Policy Group. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for being on the Arizona Physician Podcast and I wish you and your family the very best. You too. Thanks, John. Founded in 1892, Maricopa County Medical Society is a strong collective physician voice. Thank you for listening to the Arizona Physician Podcast.